Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Good morning, Jake. How are you? Good morning. Wednesday, back in the studio with a coffee. Yes, double shot. Bright and early. (laughs) How are you? Good. How was the traffic getting over here this morning? Oh, it's fine. You know me. I get here early and sit there planning and doing admin and the, the furious stuff. The furious planner. And I'm fashionably, predictably, Half an hour late. consistently late, late, late to my own house. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't realize, if you're new to the podcast, we're recording David's house <laughs> and he's still late. So don't, don't quite understand how that works. But anyway, what were you doing? Oh, I was on a phone call this morning and then I realized I hadn't shaved or shaved my head before I saw you. And that's normal. Know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, you definitely don't need to shave for me. I'm not s- judging. S- since I've, no one can see you. S- well, we're recording these on YouTube. I mean, like, well, they'll be eventually going on there. Yes. But since I've just stopped working in all the clinics, it's almost like nothing happens anymore. It's almost like I'm either at 100 miles an hour or at zero. There's, there's no in between. You've turned into a tramp is what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> More of a tramp. More of a tramp. <laughs> Actually, let, let's just reference what happened with YouTube because there might be some people who yeah. were watching going, what the hell? Where have they gone? We basically, um, we, we do and still want to carry on doing it. We, we struggled with the editing yeah. and we didn't want to put out a, a product that wasn't consistent. Yeah. And um, so we took a bit of a hiatus. We're still recording all of the content. So it's still there and all saved. And we've finally found someone fingers crossed who's going to start doing the videos for us in january yeah we'll mention his name if and when it gets up and running but it, it seems like it's going to happen yeah and we weren't sure if it was going to be successful and now there's, there's like, close to 500 subscribers i mean you know who knows how these people come across probably my mum a hundred times <laughs> it's definitely not if you look at the usernames <laughs> okay. it's not okay. um but i think what we might do is tweak it so rather than you know having too many clips maybe we'll just have yeah first 10 minutes yeah. or so yeah and then that will as a teaser you know, if you like it as then you can listen to the rest of the podcast yeah. so well we're already almost halfway through november kind of so January's just around the corner. It's insane. It's going to be a very, very busy uh, mm. next year. We've got lots of conferences and yeah, things. Yeah, we might be going to Monaco together. Yeah. Well, not together. I'll, I'll see you there. I'm not going to get on the plane no, with you. We're not holding hands on the plane I, together. No, I can't deal with 24 hours of you. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, thank you. How could we GoPro on and just annoy you I'm for going the whole to, <laughs> I'm going to go to business, have a champagne and knock out. That's what I'm doing. Um, Am I allowed in yet? Have you worked out whether I'm allowed in? As I don't a, know. I thought non-medic. you were going to call them. Uh, I thought you said you had some contacts. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I forgot. Um, uh, well, yeah. Well, maybe maybe someone can answer the question. D- DM us if you know the yeah, answer. Is David allowed to go to Well, AMWC? are non-medics allowed yeah. to go to the conference? Because I remember IMCAS last year, yeah. even registered nurses weren't allowed to go to some of the lectures. It was yeah. kind of weird, but I guess we have to respect other countries' yeah. rules. I um, hang out with so many doctors. I'm almost a doctor just by almost. just by association. If I put it on my credit card, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a doctor of bonsai. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what are we, why are we here today again? Because I ask well, myself that yeah. question every yeah. fucking day. Oh, I really do. It's a bit hard. Um, yeah. Well, you know, in the last week or so, yeah. you guys would have noticed on the socials that we have 
kind of introduced a new concept, a new project that will sit alongside the podcast yep. called the IA Business of Injecting Lives. So what is it? It was kind of your idea, mm. but um, yeah, flesh it out for well, us. Well, you know, as these as discussions evolve and the podcast matures over time and we get to know our audience better and we discuss all the topics in relation to clinical practice and so on and so forth and questions keep coming up on the periphery around business. And we've done a few episodes where we've had people on like Bob Akmoyne, we've had Jahan Kalanta, the lawyer, talking about business-related and legal-related issues with running a clinical business in this space. And it became really obvious to us that whilst there's a, a gluttony of clinical training, webinars, training days, like everyone's, everyone's training and promoting education when it comes to clinical application yeah. of this industry. But the reality is that all of us are in business. So whether you're in your own clinic with your own premises, where the buck stops with you, whether you're working in a chain clinic as a subcontractor, whether you're employed somewhere else, you're effectively still running your business within someone else's business or you have your own business. Yeah. And there seems to be almost a vacuum of education around how to run your business in this space. And it's not just run your business, but giving people an understanding or prompting them to plan why they're starting the business, what they're hoping to achieve out of their business, how to run it in a way that's going to potentially allow them to exit at some point in the future. Because as much as we all love this industry, I'm sure when you're 90 years old, you don't want to be injecting anymore. Yeah. Um, hopefully way before then, because you'll be cranky and I can't imagine how intolerant you'll be by the age of 90. If people think you're arrogant now, wait till you're Get some stem cells in yeah. me, I reckon it'll be all right. So we just thought, let's focus on these discussions more. And whilst the, the discussions that we have on the podcast are great, they're just with an uh, obviously a guest member and we take cues and questions from um, people who listen to the podcast, particularly our Patreon members. Thank you for all your support. Um, but these Zoom live chats just came up as an idea of something we can make interactive. Yeah. So allowing people to to join, send through questions, topics they'd like to cover and interact. So I'd like to, I will be leading these discussions, but I'd like them very much to be a community-based discussion where we talk about the challenges that we're having in our businesses, the fears, mm. the disasters, any stories that have worked, strategies they want to share, because that's how we're all going to become better as an industry is to prop each other up, learn from our experiences. And we've spoken about this hundreds and hundreds of times. And these live Zooms, I feel, are just a, a, like a natural progression, um, whilst not obviously not, not a replacement for the discussions that we have on the podcast, but an adjunct to it or an addition to, to allow Probably go in a bit more depth, yes. a little bit more down some rabbit holes that are, you know, from people's personal yeah. concerns yeah. or issues or questions. Yeah. And I think there, it's kind of fortuitous timing because we're at a really interesting phase in this industry globally, particularly in the Western world. I'm sort of not too familiar with what's going on with, with some other parts of the world, but particularly, I guess, cultures that are similar to us and um, have similar industries in their country. We've been in this or it's, it's a term called almost like a false economy. It's it's because we've had such great economic conditions for such a long time, like low interest rates, and I'll get into what that means, low inflation, um, people with disposable income, these treatments becoming more advanced, more popular, more acceptable. So we've almost had like this perfect storm of great economic conditions plus uh, almost an unquenchable <laughs> thirst. thirst for these treatments. So anyone within reason, could open up a practice and have relative success in a short space of time. And that's given everyone almost a false degree of confidence yeah. in their business. Just go and to the UK. Yeah. Every man and his dog's injecting. Yeah. And so once you start getting 
a number of factors starting to collide at the same time, which is, you know, after we had the GFC, then we've had COVID and all the fallout after that. Eventually what goes up must come down. That's the law of, you know, well, that's the law of gravity, yeah. But when you look at the, cy the cyclical nature of our economy, whether that, you know, you look at it globally or on a country by country basis, there are periods of up and down. And yeah. you've had a long period of up, there has to be balanced out by a period of down. And so I think it's a great, a great, well, great timing for us to start having these discussions because I think we are in for some potential tough times. And for those of us that want to continue to thrive and prosper in this industry with our businesses, we really need to, well, to be crew, get our shit together yeah. and run our businesses properly and start learning from each other. And, you know, this is my disclaimer. I don't claim to know everything. I've made lots of mistakes. What? You uh, don't? <laughs> what? <laughs> I've made lots of mistakes. Um, they've been some of the biggest learning lessons for me or, or given me the most growth and development because you don't really have a motivation to pause and reflect when things are going well. It's only when things go badly where you have you have to eat humble pie, you have to self-reflect, you have to think about what have I done wrong, how can I do it better? Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy to share those experiences and they've shaped me as a business person and as an individual and I hope that we can all do that. So I guess that's my way of explaining why we're doing these discussions and it's just another extension of what we're doing, which is trying to create a positive team environment globally mm. um, for our industry. Yeah. What, what I love about these episodes the most is I do less work. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to just kicking back and, and just <laughs> absorbing and, you know, maybe maybe just managing the Zoom for yeah. you, but <laughs> not much That's else. Fine. Well, hey, you're going to, oh, well, hopefully you come online with some clinical stuff soon. Yeah, no, hundred percent. We, um, yeah, as, as this progresses and, and I guess the first thing we want to nail is the actual model. Like yeah. how does it all work yeah. logistically and, you know, how, yeah. how do we get the interaction yeah. right so people aren't you know, talking over each other and everything. Yeah. But once that's fleshed out and probably, be, sorry, there's a fly, into the new year, we will start doing some clinical ones as well. And again, you know, I don't want to replicate what we've done or do boring stuff or, you know, just kind of do the same old. So I'll, yeah. I'd love to get ideas from you guys yeah. about what you would, you know, potentially benefit from as a discussion rather than just a boring webinar. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, you know, we'll mix it up. I'll try and get yep. some cool um, yep. guests on. Um, and we'll just see what we can yeah. do with that. Um, just a couple of particulars um, in relation to when and how. So the first one we're going to be doing is on the 21st of November at was that 8 p.m.? 8 p.m. AST, which is Australian Eastern Standard Time. Or 9 a.m. London Time. Yeah. Now, we recognise we've got listeners all over the globe and that that time slot isn't always going to be suitable for everyone. So every Zoom that we do, we're going to change the time zone to be more friendly to different regions, regions of the world. So at the moment, the first one's very friendly to people in the UK. Yeah. Um, and then we'll probably do one that's more friendly to people in the US. Now, these sessions are going to be recorded and we will share the Dropbox link or if we use Dropbox. I think we're going to Let me Dropbox. explain how it works. Okay, go on. I'm go on, Mr. Go on, right, Mr. I'm Mr. Patreon. All right, technical man. Um, so essentially, well, for the first one will be free. So regardless of being a patron or not, it, it's for everyone. And yes, we will be able to share that link. Um, you know, we'll share the link probably on our stories on Instagram yep. or, or whatever. And you'll be able to watch session one regardless of the time. Um, after that, the the link, sorry, the business lives will be for our silver and gold patrons only. So if you don't know what a patron is, essentially it's a website where you can sign up and essentially support a service, be it a YouTube channel, yep. us, whatever. So we have our own IA patron. And, uh, you know, we've got a, a growing community. There's about 60 patrons now yep. who are hyper engaged. We've got a WhatsApp group. We're speaking all day, every day. Yes, there's some banter, but we're also sharing tips about business, injecting yep. strategy, so on. So it's not, you know, 
just a membership for nothing. You actually get something in return. Plus, obviously, you get access to the business lives and eventually the injecting lives. Yeah. Um, so there's added value. But yeah, so from session two onwards, um, that will be shared. Um, the links will be on Patreon. Yeah. So if you're a patron, you will be alerted to when there's a new episode available, even if you weren't there live. Yeah. Something else I wanted to mention as well is that we're going to be having um, subject matter experts on as well. So it's mm. not just going to be me. So some of our past guests that have come on. So for example, the lawyer that we had on, um, the, the funny guy with the moustache that's got the big TikTok account. His name's <laughs> Jahan Kalanta. He's a, a lawyer here in Sydney that I've known for a long time and he specializes in, in medico-legal work. And he came onto our podcast and had a chat around what it looks like when someone like him is trying to sue a doctor or a nurse for, well, I think he terrified everyone. He terrified everyone. And well, I think sometimes it's good to be scared so that you're motivated to look at your own practice and work out where yeah. your shortcomings are in terms of your compliance and the way you're doing business. So we thought we might get people like that back on to answer specific questions and engage with the with you know with all the audience that's, that's joined up to the live chat. So it's not just going to be me. It's yeah. going to be me with sprinkled in with other people who have been on before or potentially will be on in the future to discuss very specific niche topics. Do you think um, maybe we could almost do some mini business of injecting episodes where we invite you know yeah. a, a listener on mm -hmm. with their own yeah, personal situation? It may make sense to do some a little bit of planning prior, mm -hmm. you know, just sending you some high level information yep. prior, so it's yeah. you know you do a bit of research. But you know, so if you want to come on and share a particular issue story. You know, you've got staffing issues or, a, you know, annoying patients or, or something yeah. specific yeah. to business. Maybe that would work as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, next week we've got a discussion with uh, Cassandra Smith, who was my former, former business partner um, at Laser Clinics Australia for over 10 years. And she's working with me on the consulting side of things. And she's an absolute gun when it comes to operational challenges, human resources, conflict resolution, how to set up your business from a retail perspective to maximize opportunities, um, team culture, training, all that sort of stuff. So she'll be coming on to talk to us about that next week and she might potentially will be joining us on some of these live chats as well. So we're going to take it pretty seriously, this this business side of things. Well, what's apparent to me, and, and it's kind of obvious, but I guess we have focused on aesthetics, mm. is you know, we put out a survey just to find out what sorts of topics people yep. want. And a lot of people yep. literally said, I don't even know what questions to ask you because I don't know. Yeah. So people feel that, you know, unconfident with this sort of topic yeah. that I think, you know, this is going to be hugely, um, you know, important. Yes, we can talk about rheology and fillers yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But I think everyone's kind of doing that pretty well. Mm -hmm. But it, it, like you said, it's the other side of things where people are potentially, you know, risking, mm -hmm. let alone just not doing it well, but they're potentially at risk. Oh, absolutely. Um, should we just mention quickly where people can go and um, register? For yes. In the first uh, so, well, I mean, this podcast is out on the 18th, so the, the lives start in just three days' time, right. but you can still sign up. So if you go to World Wide Web, insideaesthetics.com forward slash business, mm -hmm. just scroll down and there's a, like a, a sign up yep. uh, form. Yep. Just fill it out. It'll take you two minutes and then we'll loop you in and send you a Zoom link. Yep. Yep. Um, so to get back to what you were saying before, yes, these are aesthetic practices that we're all running, but at the end of the day, they're still businesses. We're not here for free. We expect to get paid mm. for what we do. And so when you put your heart and soul and your finances into a project and you start this, this living, breathing entity, which is a business, we need to learn how to take care of it. And there's no shame in saying, I don't know, because the reality is that unless you've been in business or you've had some sort of business training, yeah. how would you know? Correct. There's no shame in that. And the first step to being able to learn is to 
be able to say, look, I really don't know what I don't know, but I'm willing to learn and I need to accept that this is a reality mm. of, of what I need to do every day. I need to understand my business as well as my injecting. Could, can I ask you, because you, you've mentored a number of people already yeah. now, um, and I'm assuming there's some common themes, mm -hmm. but it sounds so obvious, but have you asked the injectors, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, I don't mean injecting, but I mean, why are you embarking on setting up, you know, a clinic or a, yeah. a, a, a chain or, or like whatever you're doing? Like, do, do they even know? Do they have a clear strategy? Mostly no. Mostly, mostly not really. Some do, um, but others don't. And, you know, some of the conversations I'm having with people now is they've gotten to a point in their career with their business and they've worked out that, hey, I'm getting to, you know, 50 or 60 or whatever it is, years of old age. And I've decided that I might have only 10 years left mm. of wanting to do this or five years left. Um, or, you know, I've just had grandkids. I've, something's changed in my life. I want to change my focus. I love injecting, but I'd like to be able to step back and still earn income from this business or be able to potentially sell this, this business or it's, it's an asset that you've created. Yeah. And it's almost like panic stations at that point, which is that's finally dawned upon them that there's a challenge in front of them and they're kind of lost as to how to deal with it. So mm. I think I think most people get into these businesses almost well, let's let's rewind a little bit and, and just sort of talk about the industry. And I sort of alluded to it at sort of earlier in the conversation. We've had such a tremendous phase of growth and everyone was almost everyone you spoke to in this industry was successful obviously to varying degrees, like everything in life, but everyone was doing well. Mm. You know, everyone was putting up the new car they were buying 12 months after, after their business and, you know, um, very proud of their achievements. But in some ways, it's almost been a byproduct of just the trajectory and the momentum that the industry has had. And maybe I, we could just explain yeah. that that very, or maybe it's an Australian-centric mm. last 10 years. We can't speak for other countries, mm. but... Essentially, 10 years ago or 15 yep. years ago, Bobak started yep. what has now become the world's most successful franchise or yep. chain. Yeah, which is Laser Clinics Australia, yep. Yeah, and since then, effectively in every Australian town and city, there are numerous similar-looking carbon copy chains, if you want to call it that, mm. plus, of course, all the standalone boutiques. Yep. And it's a very, very saturated market, mm -hmm. and it's grown rapidly. Yeah. So you're basically saying up until maybe even this year, there was just this unquenchable appetite yeah. where customers were easy to come across. Yeah. You could set up, yeah. didn't have to think too hard or know too much yeah. about business or advertising. Yeah. And now that's not yeah. happening. Well, there's still room for people to be successful, but it's not as idiot proof as what it used to be. You actually have to have a strategy and, you know, it's not just hoping for the best because mm. hope, hope isn't a strategy. Yeah. Um, and so if you look at other competitive industries, I like look at the retail clothing industry or food it's really competitive the number of businesses that you see open and then close within 12 months yeah. it's it's ruthless and that's because it's so competitive and the reason that happens is because the barriers to entry are low and what do i mean by that it means that to set up like a retail business like whether it be food or like a clothes shop or whatever it is you don't need to have any particular special skill set you don't need any expensive equipment it's not a complicated business model to understand so therefore Lots of people do it. Everyone wears clothes. Everyone needs clothes. It's, mm. it's you know, everyone needs food. Everyone needs food. These these are sort of almost commodity kind of uh, industries. Well, look, and, you, you've owned clinics and yeah. shops, and I've never done that. And who knows whether I will, mm -hmm. but I've often wondered, uh, even in the mall yeah. where you used to work, yeah. you know, opposite there used to be sort of a, a retail space that often changed, and it was always a cafe of some description. Yeah. And I always said to myself, 
why are they doing the same thing over and over and over again when it's never worked? Yeah. And also, just from a logistical perspective, let's say the rent is, I don't know, a thousand dollars a week. I don't yeah. know what it is, but let's say it is how many cups of yeah. coffee yeah, do you lot. have to sell well, yeah. just to cover your rent, let alone pay your staff, have the lights yeah. on, buy your well, stock? It's yeah. hard. Yeah, I, I think most people are, are very much like the idea of being their own boss Yeah, and being able to call their own shots, make their own decisions, go on holidays when they want, buy what products they want, offer the service that they want. People like the ability of control. Yes. And that's that's great. That's admirable. I mean, I have that. Um, but that's not free. That comes at a cost and the cost is risk. But where capital, I was going with it input, is, yeah. if we translate this to injectors, mm. again, you'll tell us because you're the mentor, but when people go, oh, I've set up a clinic in yeah. wherever, back of a beauty yeah. salon, and I'm doing injecting, presumably your sort of question is, well, why? What's yeah. your point of difference? Yeah. What are you doing that nurse whoever is not yeah. doing I mean, down you could the road? Set, I mean, you could set up a coffee cart at the back of a hairdressing salon. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. I don't know if there's anything. As long as you've got from a medical perspective and a compliance regulatory perspective, you're ticking all the boxes. You can set up one of these businesses wherever you want. Yes. That doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's going to be successful and it doesn't mean it's something you're going to be able to sell or, you, or get a passive income out of. I mean, do you think that people are a little bit naive? For example, they take a box of fillers and a card reader and yeah. basically set up and say, I'm in business. Yeah. But is that a little bit too short-sighted? Look, I'm sure there's people that have taken that approach that have been successful. But I would say the number of people that have tried that approach that haven't been successful would dwarf those that have. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, let's just, just rewind a minute, like just for a minute and just talk about like how we got here. So we spoke about the economy. We spoke about the fact that we've had this growing demand that we couldn't keep up with. So everyone was busy and everyone was successful. And you sort of mentioned that Bob Ack and Laser Clinics Australia sort of changed the landscape of how this industry was being run here in Australia. And now that's sort of spreading out to the rest of the world as they sort of grow and, and expand overseas. Yes. But up until that point, like when I started in the industry, <clears throat> these treatments were only available for people that were very wealthy or famous. They were done in, in the cover of night, you know, small, you know, dark alleyways and like sort of all cloak and dagger. It was very much the dark arts. Yes. And then, and it was expensive. Yeah. And these, these um, treatments started off in, in doctor's clinics um, particularly like places like plastic surgeons and then those plastic surgeons would have nurses working for them. And then they almost start plastic surgeons, as far as I'm aware, if anyone <clears throat> wants to correct me on this, feel free. But my knowledge, my knowledge, um, is that the plastic surgeons here in Australia almost created the nurse injectors to a certain degree for the most part, they were working within their clinics. Um, then Bobak came along and thought, Hey, why don't we provide all the infrastructure? And all of the back end support with with the medical side of things and and make these really affordable and accessible to everyone. And yeah. that just went ballistic. And yes. it's been an it's it's changed the face of this industry forever. And so we've been through this rapid growth phase where all these clinics have opened up. There's been all these nurses that have actually started joining the industry with the intention of becoming injectors, people that have transitioned out of the public health system into the private sector in this space because it's lucrative. It's, mm. you know, the, the hours are a lot more um, nice to deal with and night shifts and, and all those sorts of things. So that's expanded. Um, and then what's happened is our friends over at, <clears throat> at Fresh Clinics, John and John, started their platform, which then allowed nurses to not have to work within the infrastructure of a chain clinic. So giving them access to scripts, medical clinical support, stock at reasonable prices without having to go through um, these sorts of chain clinics to be able to get stock at 
the prices that would allow them to um, offer uh, these treatments at a cheaper price. Yeah. And so the demand with now the infrastructure to allow nurses to go out on their own, plus all of the great economic conditions and the demand has created this perfect storm of all these people that have thought it's a great idea to open up their own business. Yes. And now we're at a point, and I don't want to be like, you know, a negative Nancy or saying it's all going to be gloom and doom, but there are some, there are going to be some tough times ahead. And when things start to tighten, the people that will continue to be successful and thrive are going to have to really pay attention and get their head around how to run their business properly. Yeah. Um, and so this is kind of, it's sort of, we didn't plan it this way, but it's almost just evolved that we're discussing this now right at this moment in time because I think that what's ahead of us, we all need to pull together as an industry to support ourselves through this together collectively. Yeah. Just to reference, uh, yeah. it was episode 45 yeah. a long time ago where we first spoke about laser clinics yeah. with Bob Ack and Alistair. Yeah. Yeah. And then episode 52, we actually spoke about fresh clinics yeah. and what it is. So if you're kind of wondering what, what are you talking about, listen yeah. to those episodes. Yeah. They're, they're all there. Yeah. Um, okay. Does so that all make sense? Storm. Yeah. Does that all make sense? Oh, or? no, of course. Yeah. And then, you know, I know we're sort of referencing episodes here, but if you're sort of interested in what, what we mean by the economic sort of, uh, you know, next two yep. years where it's looking a bit painful, we just referenced that about three episodes ago yeah. with Bob Ack again. Yeah. So listen to that whole episode if yeah. you're not sure exactly what we mean. Um, and just to give you guys some context, when we talk about inflation and interest rates, I'm sure many of you know what that means and what the implications are. So for those that already know, sorry to bore you, but for those that don't, I'll just give you a little bit of my perspective on it. Everything in, in the economy is connected to each other. It's like a big chain of dominoes. And so when you've got a situation where inflation increases and inflation just means the cost of living. So when you go and purchase your coffee today for $4 and then tomorrow you go and it's $4.50, that's inflation. And the reason that's happened is because the guy that's making the coffee, his milk price has gone up or the delivery of his products has gone up or he has to pay his staff more. And this is all on the back end of, well, it's happened after COVID. Now, whether it would have happened... Um, by its own sort of natural cycle at some point, probably. This has probably accelerated it and it's going to bring it to a head much faster. Um, but when you shut down an, an economy for a period of time, <clears throat> the government prints money, gives it out to people so they don't have to come to work. That's not free. That money has to get repaid. Yeah. And so um, it starts off a chain of events. It also makes the value of money yeah, less. exactly. And then what happens is it starts to affect consumer confidence. Yeah. And so people go, oh, shit, like things are getting expensive. I better like just, you know, maybe I don't need that. Maybe I'm just going to get my tox today. Maybe I'll hold off my lips for another three months. Mm. And so that starts to then have an effect on the injectable business. Like, so everything is connected to each other. So um, if you're not affected now, it, it, it's only a matter of time before it does start to affect you because everyone's it exists in the domino chain somewhere. Yeah. And it's interesting yeah. actually because – you know, with the injector community, we're all kind of looking at our pricing and yeah. cost of products. And yeah. you would assume with these new toxins and yeah. things coming that that's going to become more competitive. Yeah. And hopefully someone's going to actually give us a more sensible price yeah. rather than an increased price. Yeah. Well, I think they're going to have, I don't think they're going to have a choice. Yeah. That's interesting so. times. Yeah. And then you've got interest rates. So you've got like this double whammy where you've got inflation going up and then interest rates going up. So everyone who's got a mortgage on a home or a business, some sort of loan that you owe to the bank. Or your the, car. The amount of interest that goes up. So you think about the families that are, you know, getting by every month and they've got, you know, their, their monthly mortgage payment that's coming out. If that goes up by like three or four or $500. Which it has could, already. That could be enough to 
put people in a really difficult position. 100%. Um, or, and even if it's not going to ruin your life, you might just go, oh, I'm just going to just pull back on the spending. And then that starts to create, it's sort of like, <laughs> it's almost becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you're just shuffling yeah. the things around yeah. to try and make ends meet, aren't yeah. you? So the bottom line is that's what's happening. That's kind of why we got here. And it doesn't mean it's all doom and gloom. It just means we need to be hyper aware and clever about how we're running our businesses and have a strategy yeah. and lean on each other for support. So yeah. when you have been speaking to people about their own businesses, mm. what are their common anxieties or, or barriers? What, what, why, why are they in this position where they're like, fuck, I've set up this thing and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. How did they get there? Yeah. As I said, I, th I think people started these businesses without real, like, it's all very exciting. Like, you know, you, you know, you register, you got company. some filler. Yeah. You register <laughs> your company, you, you know, and, and you set it all up and it's all great. And I think that um, it's almost like you, you're getting on a train and this train starts off slow, but then it's all before you know it, it's traveling at 200 miles an hour. And then you're thinking, how the fuck do I get off this thing? Or how do I drive it? And it's like, by the time that happens, it's like, it's everything's moving so fast. You, you sort of become overwhelmed with the inertia yeah. and, and you don't have time to work on your business because you're so in it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and a lot of that com comes down to planning, which is, you know, the, almost the first question that you asked is why are people setting up businesses? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, and I think everyone who has their own business needs to think about that. Like, why did you set up this business? Because no matter what we do in life, whether it be injecting, whether you're collecting garbage on the street, whether you're working in a hotel, whether you're, whatever it is, your chosen profession is your vehicle to take you to where you want to get to in life. Yeah. So you go to work to earn an income to provide for your family and to buy nice things and go on holidays and all these sorts of stuff. So it's a, it's a vehicle. But at some stage, that vehicle, you need to, you can't stay in that vehicle forever. It's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and you want different things out of life. We all change and grow as people as we get older and priorities change and families grow up and whatever. Um, so you want the ability to have this vehicle that, that, you, that you've been driving for so long to be able to potentially drive a little bit without you mm. or to sell it. And unless you put in all of the measures that make a business saleable or to be able to step back so that it's, no, it's not 100% reliant on you so you can start earning what's known as passive income, which means passive, the clues in the name, you don't have to essentially be doing all the work for it. So even though you're still responsible and looking over the business, it's earning income when you're not physically injecting a patient. So you could be in Monaco and have an, someone in your business or the business is still producing revenue for you. And that's like the ultimate thing that you want. It's like, there's no prize for working the hardest. It's yeah. about working the smartest. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You and I were at the IS yeah. clinical party this yeah. week, the 20th anniversary that was quite fun yeah and i got talking to a new injector she was lovely i won't mention her name but she's a new nurse injector and still training under a doctor yeah. so she's not yeah. sort of you know seeing patients yet and i said to her um cool like so what sort of injected do you want to be what what do you want to be doing yeah. in five years time yeah and she looked at me completely blankly and went um what do you mean mm. and i was like well Presumably you've chosen to be an injector for a reason. I mean, because her background was anesthetic nursing. And I said, well, you know, you obviously had an aspiration to do something with that. You learn practical skills. You might work a bit of public, mm -hmm. private. You have a plan. Mm -hmm. So what is your plan for injecting? And she just, she was flummoxed. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I do ask, uh, you know, new injectors that question a lot. Because I, I find it interesting to, to find out people's motivations of why they mm. want to do it. Yeah. And often, and we've mentioned this before, the motivation is, well, because the the public system shit 
Yeah. It's not because, oh, well, I'm really interested in, you know, patients mm. or new treatments or skin or um, I want to be a trainer one day or, or, or some of the things that I think are more reasonable. Yeah. So I, I would ask yourself that if you're an injector, kind of seriously sit down and write on a piece of paper, why am I doing this? Mm. Because if you're going to set up a business and, and take some risk and outlay thousands of dollars on product and you're sort of wondering, uh, how am I going to get patients? Mm. Like you really need to work out what is your strategy and the yeah. why. Well, what's your strategy? I mean, what's your why? So um, there was a bit of burnout there. I'm, yep. I'm happy to admit I was, you know, after a decade of being chewed through the public system, I was totally fed up. Mm -hmm. But I had been injecting for as long as I'd been a doctor. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't sort of a, a U-turn. I, I just sort of did more of the injecting. Um, I have to be honest, when I was in the UK, I never really saw injecting as something that I could build as a career. Yep. It was like a really fun hobby. That side sort hustle. Of, yeah, it was like a side hustle that I sort of had this outside life to yep. surgery. And even then I, I got that buzz from people who were really happy for these, what seemingly quite simple treatments. And yet I never translated that to being a career. Right. Anyway, moved to Australia. And, and like you said, it was so available here that I thought, well, actually, clearly this could be a career. Mm. So, you know, 2017, I left hospital and, and did it full time and I haven't looked back. But I said to you, as we we're having a coffee downstairs, I was like, you know, if I was just injecting and just doing a bit of toxin here and there and feel, I don't know if I'd be satisfied for the next 20 years. Mm. So I sort of said to myself, well, how do I get into teaching, training, key opinion leading, whatever you want to call it? Because to me, that's challenging. I mean, yesterday I was desperately trying to finish a talk for, for the CMAC talk in a couple yep. of weeks. And, you know, whilst that's sort of added pressure and you've got to work outside of work, I'm challenging myself. I'm looking at the literature, the data. I'm wondering, well, if I can't teach this, how, how can I treat people? Yeah. So you're constantly challenging yourself. And I find that really, um, yeah, I'm a bit, bit of a goal-orientated yep. person. I like having a carrot for myself. Yeah. And if that carrot is travel, training, meeting people, networking, yep. which comes with training, yep. then then I think that's a good aspiration. Yeah. Now, I know training's not for everyone and, and there can only be a certain number of trainers. So yep. I'm not saying you have to be a trainer, but you know, work out what it is. Do you want to be this big all singing, all dancing injector? Or are you, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a really steady Eddie who's just seeing people regularly doing simple treatments, but is really happy with that. Yeah. Um, but work out what your motivation is because mm -hmm. if you don't, you never really hear the here nor there. You can't have a social media strategy if you don't know what you what you are. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the common questions. What do I do? What do I post? When do I post? It's like, well, what are you trying to say? Yeah. What 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 message do you want to say? Because you were saying downstairs, well, just don't post if it stresses you out. Just don't do it. Yeah. So yeah. it's the it's the sheeple effect. You know, people, uh, you know, inherently as human beings, we, we follow the crowd. We, it's that we have this uh, internal sort of mechanism that, 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 that encourages us to comply with what most other people are doing. Yeah. And so, as you said, yeah, people, you know, if social media is not your thing, then don't do it just because everyone else is doing it because you're not being real and it's not your strength. Yeah. Um, you know, don't post for the sake of posting because now we've gotten to a point where we've got so many accounts and I mean, if I look at them, I can't even tell them apart sometimes from each other. They all yeah. look the same. Same type of photos, same kind of captions. And it's just noise. Yeah. It doesn't cut through. It's I just, can't stand in my... I'm hardly on Instagram. You probably 
I don't know if people realise, but yeah. I'm, I'm posting infrequently because yeah. it bores the hell out of me. Yeah, and I think it's losing some of its cachet. I think that people are starting to realise that, you know, it's all it's all a little bit too much and, you know, it's people becoming professional Instagram posters and making videos and trying to be funny and grab attention almost out of desperation. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't resonate with me and I'm sure there's a lot of patience it doesn't resonate with. And it's also, unless you started an account a number of years ago and have a huge following, mm. like it's hard and it's so saturated now, it's hard to sort of get that cut through. I agree. So I think Instagram's a, a bit lost at the moment. Yeah. It's sort of not sure what it is. Yeah. So I think it's almost like you have to think about how to do things differently and what comes naturally to you. Like, what are your strengths? What is it that you offer that other people don't? And it doesn't have to be like some whiz bang new secret technique that you saw, in, you know, in, in the in the archives of YouTube somewhere that you found that no one else has seen. Like, what is it about the experience your patients have with you, the way that you treat them, the way that you consult them, the way that you make them feel when you're treating them? Um, the way that you promote your business through word of mouth referrals, the way that you treat your staff, the culture that you have within your business. All of these things are, are far more powerful than a clever Instagram post just that just grabs attention. Yeah. Um, so don't feel, my, my sort of advice on this is don't feel compelled to do that because everyone else is. Do what comes naturally to you and where your natural strengths are. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that... There are, that sorry, just to say there's plenty of successful injectors who don't even have Instagram accounts yeah. or social media accounts. Yes. They're aberration. They're not like everywhere, but they exist and they do it well and they know their strengths. They know their strategy. They're not after hundreds of likes and comments. They just like, as you said, slow, steady, incremental growth built over a period of time, great long-term relationships with their patients. If you do your job properly, you don't, you shouldn't need any more patients after two or three years. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. if you're doing a great job, those your best source of new patients are existing patients telling their friends to come and see you. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think, I mean, you've managed hundreds or yeah, probably hundreds yeah. of injectors in yeah. your time. Mm -hmm. Do you have this um, concept that there's a bit of an ego on injectors' shoulder, that they want to be yeah. the, the queen, the lip queen, the lip king? Yeah. Like, do, do you course. think that that's natural progression or do, or do you think that there's a time and a place for it? Uh, look, I think it's good to have confidence and to be um, out and proud about things that you that you do really well. But in terms of that whole concept of just wanting to be insta famous or self proclamation, I, I, I think I think it's starting to wear thin on people. To be honest with you, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, some people are just a bit crazy, but I, I do think there's a little bit of because we're so unregulated, we have no qualifications, yeah. no syllabus. There's almost a little bit of people trying to qualify themselves. Yeah. As you know, I've done all this stuff and I've yeah. done a course with whoever, and yeah. you're almost having to like uh, signpost yeah. why you're the best. Yeah. It's kind of a bit ridiculous. Well, like you can't imagine a surgeon sort of saying, I'm the appendix king. <laughs> Because I train with, you yeah. know, this surgeon. It's it's, it's ridiculous when yeah. you think about it that way. But yeah. yeah, it's the nature of our industry. It's not a, well, I guess for many of us, it's become a need, not a want, because we've become so reliant that these are almost become necessary treatments in, in our eyes as patients. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, people don't get their appendix out by choice. Mm. So patients come All right. whether they like it or not because they've been referred by their GP or like, do you know what I mean? So it's it's different because- General medicine is need need based. <laughs> Bad yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not saying what you're saying is wrong. I, I just think that you know. So when you've got 
people that don't actually need something, they're wanting something, you need to convince them why they need it and why they should come to you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you certainly don't hear, you know, Warwick Nettle saying I'm the facelift king. No. He, his work speaks for itself yeah. and yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a plastic uh, surgeon here in Sydney for anyone that doesn't know the reference. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and, and another con- common theme, I don't know if, again, this is Australian specific, but you have you know new injectors, they, they start at, you know, a chain mm-hmm. is a common place of starting, yep. and then they sort of go, hmm, I want to branch out now, mm-hmm. and, and this is where they start thinking yeah. of setting up a business. Yeah. But... I've never sort of understood how to connect the dots because, you know, you've been a business mm-hmm. owner and you've got an injector who mm-hmm. you want to mold and grow and to be good, mm-hmm. but there's always, you know, you're going to have a brain drain where they're, where they're always going to want to leave. Yeah. So how would you, let's sort of talk as a clinic owner now, yeah. how do you incentivize someone to not want to set up a business yeah. and actually stay? So we're working under the scenario that I'm not working in a franchise model and I've got complete control. Yeah, of whatever well, I want. You don't even have to be in a chain. You could yeah. be running a clinic yeah. and, and you just got well, a good little group of injectors and you yeah. don't want them to leave. I think you need to hire people that are on the same journey as you. Mm. And so the interview process or the getting to know you process is really important. Um, and that the clinical side of things is, is put that aside from, let's assume for the sake of this discussion, that everyone that you're talking to is almost equally competent from a yeah. clinical application perspective, right? So you're looking for someone that aligns with your ethics as a business owner or as a provider of these treatments. So even though I'm not a doctor or a nurse, I understand what sensible, responsible treatment looks like. I understand what um, the importance of compliance means to my business, not mm-hmm. only to me as an individual, but also to the injector and the reputation and, and, and you know, it has a, a lot of, a lot of implications. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first step, find out what people's motivations are and work out whether you're aligned on the common basics like human ethics and career goals, potentially that's a good place to start. So are we aligned on what I think is right and wrong? I mean, joking yeah. aside, like, yeah. I've been in interviews with you when we've interviewed yeah. other injectors yeah. and so yeah. on. Like, how do you do that? Because, you know, they give you a CV, they tell you some oh, shit yeah. about what they've done. But really, I mean, are you on a three-month trial before you make a decision to keep that injector? In, in, you know, this whole sort of formal process of interviews, I think, from my perspective, I think is a crock. I, it, like, you can fake an interview. The proof's in the pudding, The proof's right? in the pudding. And I think that once you start, for me, when I'm interviewing people, I try and keep it very casual and informal because I want to get to know this person. I can read your CV. I can see the stuff you've done. I'm going to call your references. I'm going to make sure that what you've said is legit. Let's just put that aside. I want to know who you are. Has someone ever lied about their references? All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> what sort of stuff? Oh, just places I say they've worked. They were this and that. They were like, they weren't in the position that they said they were. They were effectively oh, asked to leave, but they resigned before. Like just all sorts of stuff. Like <laughs> because people don't think you're going to – a lot of people don't check references and that's yeah. a big thing as well. Like always check references because a lot of time people put them there or references on request and mm. all this. Call, call those references. Don't just assume because they've written them, down, written them down and provided them to you that everything's honky-dory. Like 50% of the time it's not the case. Yeah, They haven't been 100% honest with you. They weren't as amazing as they said they were. Like, I don't understand why people, I've been guilty of it before and I don't even understand why I didn't call those references. <laughs> and every time you do it, you go, fuck, I'm an idiot. Why did, how did I get here? Call references. So get to know the person because mm. if you sit and have a casual conversation with someone, because once you start that formal engagement process of wanting to, so tell me about a time when you overcome three challenges or like how you, inc- like it's all bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. People can make up whatever they want. <laughs> 
what you need to do is get that person to be relaxed, take them into a casual environment. This is my strategy. Yeah. Get to know them. What do you do on the weekends? What do you like to do for fun? Just get them talking about themselves. Listen, listen for clues. What are they? What type of person are they? Are they someone that goes out and parties every weekend and gets on it and is going to turn up on Monday with a hanger or a pinger still in their system? Yeah, a pinger. A pinger. Sorry, that's an ecstasy tablet for anyone that's not, not Australian. Do you know what I mean? Look at their social media. Get to know who this person is. Mm. Um, that will give you some clues as to whether you're aligned on where you're going in life and, and sort of what it is you're hoping to achieve. So, for me, drop the, drop, the, drop the formal process, get to know that person on an, on an individual level, find out what their motivations are. So the first step is if you can find that person you're aligned with, it's like the first tick. Mm-hmm. This person's sensible, they're Not nice, crazy. they're reliable, they understand, you know, we're aligned on, on ethics and, and, and basic business and clinical um, standards, mm. great. And then it's about finding out what that person wants for themselves in the future. Because if someone's great at what they do, eventually two things are going to happen. One, Someone's going to poach them and mm-hmm. offer them a better deal. Two, they're going to go, I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. And so almost having those discussions, like everyone wants to avoid the elephant in the room and not have these discussions because they don't want to offend or they don't. Ask those questions. If I offer, like, what is it that you want to do with your career eventually? You know, if you do want to move on, that's fine. You might be okay with that, but at least you can plan for it. It's when someone pulls the rug out from under you when you don't see it coming. Yeah. And you don't have that relationship where people feel like they can come in. Because a lot of people don't, and especially these days, people don't like confrontation. Like the amount of staff members who won't talk to you, they want to send you a text or an email. They don't want to talk on the phone. They don't want to meet. Like there is definitely a move in younger generations not to want to have confrontation. And I don't, the whole idea of a face-to-face confrontation that might be slightly on un- doesn't have to be aggressive but just slightly uncomfortable yeah is terrifying to them well people are happy being keyboard warriors yeah. aren't they so i think trying to develop that relationship where they respect you as a potential employer but also see you as a person and an individual and have that rapport with them and make them feel like they're in a safe space or a mm. safe position where they can actually come and talk to you about something that you might not think is necessarily great but you've got that relationship so that they're being honest with you and knowing what their future like you and i for example, right, we had a great relationship. You came and told me, look, this isn't for me forever. I'm going to be leaving. And it's like, fine. But if you were to just come mm. to me like two weeks ago, all right, but see you later. I'll be I like, think I was there for at least six months after that initial yeah, chat. exactly. And it was like, okay, I was, you know, how can I, how can I, as someone that considers themselves a fairly reasonable, nice understanding person, how could I begrudge you wanting to advance your career if mm. I can't offer you what it is you're hoping to achieve? That's mm. just being an asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? And being selfish, you know? And so I think if you know, so the first step, as we said, build the rapport, get to know them, tick, then find out what their goals are and Mm. work out how you as a business can hold on to them for the long term and what's important to them from there. So explaining what your expectations are in terms of what you want from them as someone that's working within your business, but also what they expect from you. They want career development. Do they want to have their own business eventually? Would they like to potentially look at getting some sort of profit share or ownership capacity in your business? Do you want to expand your business so that you replicate your brand and create another location somewhere else? Yeah. Because your best people are going to come from within. And we saw a great example with Jess and Maria just two episodes ago. exactly. Someone that started- Great example. Yeah, exactly. So these discussions up front are important and giving people a plan for their future. Because a lot of the time people just come in and work- but people never know when their next promotion's coming. They don't know what their boss is thinking. They don't know how certain their future is. Lay the cards out on the table. What, what's reasonable to put in a contract that, you know, it's not so rigid that, you know, you're sort of saying, you know, if you set up within five kilometers, we're going to kill you. Yeah. But what, what's reasonable? You're talking about restraints? Yeah. 
I mean, the genesis of restraints are really to stop someone leaving your business and doing damage or uh, affecting your business's ability to run and reducing its um, profit or turnover. Yeah. So it's not designed to stop you being able to operate in the same space and earning a, earning an income for yourself. That's not what it's designed to do. So, for example, if you open up, what what is reasonable? Depends. There's so many varying factors. If you live in a country town where there's very few people and you open up a kilometre or two kilometres away or three kilometres away, that still might be really, really close because you've got such a low density of, of, of people. Yes. And there's not that many um, options. There's not, you know... Someone even though you're two kilometers away could be hugely catastrophic to your business. Whereas if you're in like the center of like Manhattan, yeah, for example, and there's like thousands of providers everywhere and there's millions of people, that might not be a big deal. Yeah. So it's about what's reasonable. And so um, it's a very hard question to answer, but it's not designed to stop you earning an income. And as a general rule, um, if this, if something like this ever went to court, the court is generally going to side with the smaller like. The, the the person that's not Goliath, to, yeah, the the employee. And they're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna side with the big with the big company or the big corporate you know behemoth. They're gonna go with the person that's trying to go out and you know and earn an income for themselves. So the restraints are some are generally very hard to enforce unless they're considered to be very reasonable. I only mention that for the listeners because yeah. it's it's quite common here if you work for a, a corporation or a franchise that it's specifically in your contract that you know it's almost like. Injectors feel a little bit ring fenced. Yeah, that they can't well, really do anything outside of a, a perimeter. Just something for a little tip for anyone um, who's listening. Just because something's written in a contract doesn't mean it's legally enforceable. Mm. And what do I mean by that? So if I write a contract between you and I, Jake, and I say you can't inject anywhere in Sydney ever again, and you sign it, <laughs> if that if you challenge that and that went to court, a judge would look at that and just throw it out and go, "That's ridiculous. See yeah. you later. I'm yeah. not, you know, this is nonsense." So. That's something to think about. A lot of these big corporations will write all these, you know, draconian restraints and hardcore restraints in there that you get. And they almost act as a deterrent of trying to uh, uh, deter you from challenging them. But I guess my question yeah. is, these things get signed. It doesn't and, matter. But, but should the injector, prior to engaging or working, say, look, I've got just a query about this paragraph or, or I've shown it to my lawyer and they don't think that's reasonable or... Yeah. I mean, you know, w would you do that prior for due yeah, diligence? Yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, just because you sign it doesn't doesn't mean anything. I mean, it does mean something, but it doesn't mean it can't be thrown out or that it's not enforceable if it actually gets tested. But it's a bit of a gamble. You don't it is a gamble. But I think if you, you if before you sign any contract, you should be talking to a lawyer. Yeah. Um, even I mean, I'm relatively savvy in on on some things, and I still get a lawyer to check stuff because. You sometimes don't think about the implications and also you're emotionally involved in the process. You need someone looking at this who doesn't have anything to gain or lose from the outcome. They're not they're not emotionally invested. Yeah. And we all get emotionally we were we're humans, we're emotional creatures. We, there's always emotion. Yeah. You know, we make the decision with logic and the, with emotion, then we use logic to try and justify the reasons why we do or don't do things. Yeah. Yeah. I got a so question. Ha so have that conversation up front. And if you do think it's unreasonable, negotiate it at the time. Yeah. And say, look, I won't do this, I won't poach. You know, I don't. I think this. You know, this this three kilometer rule is ridiculous. I can't agree to that. But what I can agree to is that I won't contact any clients. I won't put any posts up on social media when I leave. I won't take any of your like. 
and I won't set up in the mall or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And say, well, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to agree to this. I'm not prepared to agree to that because that's not reasonable. But I'm prepared to agree to these reasonable things. That's and, this, and this is my commitment to you. Yeah. People just need to start talking to each other. Yeah. And being reasonable rather than pulling out their shotguns. Yeah, that, I think that's yeah, it's good. Good uh, compromise. Yeah. Um, we're trying to keep this high level. Sorry. So, so we're not going to go into <laughs> so, any specific yeah. detail. But I want to ask you. Yeah. You didn't go to uni. No, uh, I did, but I didn't finish. Well, you, yeah. you kind of dropped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So same thing. Yeah. As how did you learn? Uh, and and more to the point, why did uh, you learn? Okay, so this is what my dad taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're you become the average, and this is not just his brilliance. I'm sure he's heard this from someone else because I've heard it from multiple sources. But he was the first person that told me this. Was that you become the average of the people you spend the most time with? Yeah. God forbid that you're going to hang around me and absorb anything from me. (laughs) Yeah. And so how did I learn? Through surrounding myself with people who are smarter than me, who are more successful than me, that had made more mistakes than me. And just by the process of osmosis, Mm. you start to get influenced by the way they talk, the decisions that they make, that, you know, if they're, if they're someone that's charitable and, you know, open and willing to share, they'll, they'll give you advice. Yeah. Um, you know, you need mentors. I've got mentors. Everyone needs someone in their life or people in their life who've been down that road, who've got life experiences. It doesn't have to be in exactly the same industry, but no matter what industry you're in, the same sort of human and business principles apply to everything. Yeah. And so if you can find those people um, and surround yourself with them, it's like if you're the smartest person in the room, it's time to change rooms. 100%. It's, you know, it gets boring. It does. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're hanging out with dropkicks and people that are out partying every weekend and negative influences and just toxic, you'll become that person yeah. because you, you just can't help it. Yeah. And so that's how I learned through mistakes and through being humble enough to say, I don't know, what would you do here? What's your advice? And then you get to a point where you start to become competent and then it's your turn. It's your turn to give back. It's your turn to then pay it forward and, and share your knowledge and advice so that you're affording people the same opportunities that you had. Well, what I find fascinating, and again, this is a bit of an insight for the listeners, every time I've sat down to try and do yeah. any work with you, whether it's planning a podcast yeah. or a strategy, you've got an attention span of a fly. Yeah. Two minutes, you're you're doing something different or changing the subject <laughs> or on your phone or so you know you've got a lot of knowledge and and you you've you know you've run businesses and stuff so clearly something clicked with you yeah so what was it that attracted you to running businesses because you weren't you know you told us in episode one what your background was yeah. but why did you decide to own businesses I did it wasn't a and conscious, what were your challenges well, it wasn't a conscious start? decision it sort of just happened really. I don't like being answerable to people and I like to definitely be, doesn't. And I'd like to be, I'd like to be in control of my own destiny. So for me, it was just a process of elimination. Hmm. I mean, I got fired from so many, I mean, I got expelled from four kindergartens. <laughs> Kindergarten? Yeah. What the hell were you doing? I wouldn't sleep. Throwing I, custard at people. But I threw an apple at a teacher. Was, <laughs> right. But I, I mean, I've always, I mean, I got suspended multiple times from school. I mean, I Jesus just Christ. because, I, well, I've got, ADD that's never been, I've never medicated myself. I've yeah. just sort of tried to harness. Just play it. the drums. Yeah, well, just do lots of different projects. So for me, moving between different things, you know, owning a business is like every day is a new adventure, mm. you know, and while sometimes it like frustrates you and you want to like blow up the world, um, it's stimulating and you're constantly learning and having to deal with challenges. It's a constant like being in one of those sort of quest games. 
yeah. where you're like having to like work your way through and, and sort of think a few moves ahead and what if I do this, what happens there and all the, and it's sort of, it's, it works for my brain because you have to be thinking about lots of different things simultaneously. So for me, focusing on a single task, I can do it, but it's like, pulling my fingernails out with a plot with a pair of pliers like it, it, it's painful <laughs> yeah. it's really painful but everyone's got strengths and weaknesses and you need to learn what works for your works for your sensibilities and what comes naturally to you trying to become you know this whole concept of find your weaknesses and work on them yeah great but why not get better at what you're already good at and then work with other people that complement your skill set so d i mean did you do any courses anything online youtube channels how did you learn the the core you know education you you you, you can self learn yeah. to an extent yeah but, you know you're running businesses yeah. you're, you're paying people salaries and you know all the rest of it you, you must have like done something formal or not i mean I, I did i did study um business at university but i didn't complete because i just okay. i just got bored and think but it, honestly in retrospect it taught me nothing right really um because all of the like technical side of things, like how to read a balance sheet, how to understand the way the economy works, all those sorts of things, you can sort of teach yourself to a certain degree. I mean, everyone's got a supercomputer in their pocket mm. where you can access every information since the dawn of time, essentially, um, within a second. Um, but it's all those intangibles of actually being in the situation and learning as you go. It's almost like baptism by fire like you've, mm. <laughs> you've got to you've got to go through those experiences because even if you read about these text these experiences in a textbook there's no emotion involved in an experience in, in reading about someone else's experience yeah no gamble in actually investing in anything yeah exactly and so it, honestly it is just through making mistakes and learning that's the big thing trying to learn from other people's mistakes because they're free yeah. they don't cost you anything what was the first business you owned I started importing lasers from overseas in Asia and selling them to doctors here in Australia when the aesthetics industry was just getting started. And um, I didn't have any concept of, of tax back then. I was just an employee up until that point. So every week I just got money in my bank account and the tax got paid. I went to King's Cross and got smashed yeah. at the end of the week. <laughs> so, so when you came to running my own business, we were like making all this money and we were like just living. I was in my like. What, early mid twenties. You still living with your parents, or were you out? Um, I think no, I was out on my own, but um, got kicked out probably. <laughs> re 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 politely request to leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We we sort of didn't allow for tax, so tax time come, we're like, what oh, do you shit, mean tax? We, we haven't got any money. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. How much did you owe? Oh, I think it was like it was like a hundred grand or something, and that like Fuck. this is going back like twenty years ago. That so was it's probably a, worth a lot. A more. lot of money. And so, but when you say we, you and I had a business partner. Yeah, who was that? Oh, well, I can't even remember his name now. To be honest with you, okay, was, you're not in touch. No, I haven't spoken to him in ages. Um, Andrew, I think his name was. Okay, Long, it was like a, it was a lot, and so many things have happened in that intervening period. <laughs> right. Um, but it was an absolute disaster. So, but, so what did you do? Like, so you know, if you owe someone a hundred, well, we had grand, to we had to like basically shut down the company and we say to the government we can't. We like basically had to like, really, yeah. Okay, well, that's a good first mistake to yeah. own up to. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but that was just, I didn't have any mentors back then. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about anything, about mm. anything. <laughs> Look, I, I actually think that's a very common business issue. People oh. don't understand, you know, company structures and tax yeah. and their liabilities mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Yeah. So maybe that would be something to yeah. explore earlier on in, in the business lives. For sure. And I could even get someone on who's an expert. I mean, I can explain it to a degree, but I can definitely get people on that can go in depth about 
you know, financial analysis of, of sort of P&Ls and balance sheets and mm. cash flow analysis and forecasting and all that kind of stuff because it is important to know, even if you don't do it all the time, you need to have a plan. Yeah. Um, and your plan can change. That's okay. Just because you say this is where you want to be or this is your short and long-term plans that that might change next year. That's okay, but you need to be running towards something. Yeah. And, yep. ha- and have a goal. I've, I've sort of noted that we were going to keep this high level, but we've gone really deep on a couple. There was a, what else do we want to do? Anyway, the, basically we wanted to introduce the yes. concept of what the business lives will be yeah. and why we're doing it. Yeah. So I think we've pretty that, much done yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Hopefully maybe, there'll be less talking from me and more talking from other people. Yeah, 100%. What are the other big ones that people are asking about? Because we've had a number of people that have registered for the for the first live already well so the main topics that we're not going to cover today but just to give you a flavor of what's coming um branding and sort of pr like yeah and i guess tacked onto that is social media but yeah they are different um we just mentioned business structures tax accounting tax deductibles all that kind of stuff that's a big topic in itself then of course social media on its own you know what channels why how how do you plan it do you outsource do you do it yourself Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff um, how to attract patients, yeah. and I guess that's a big one. Yeah. Digital marketing comes with that. Yeah, again, they're separate but similar. Yeah. Um, then there's, I guess, how do you run your business? And and the big topic that keeps on coming up. This was in our Patreon just yeah. last week uh, in our chat. Deposits, booking systems, valuing your time, how to set your your rules and your prices yeah. and your boundaries. Yeah. all of that sort of comes under one roof to to an extent. Yeah. Yep. Um, then of course you know. Pricing, costs, profits, managing cash flow, even how do you pay or how or what should you pay yourself as a salary Mm -hmm. if you're a business? Yep. So that's another kind of bracket. And then we've sort of touched on this when you're talking about Cassandra, but employing staff, how to motivate people, attract injectors or or therapists, I guess. Uh, how to secure, how to set a career for your staff and how to retain them, and also what's the right time to expand or grow mm. or hire or fire. Yeah, yep. all of that. Yeah, um, and then there's a couple of like, a couple of niche things that have cropped up where GPs have specifically said, you know, I'm sort of dabbling with aesthetics, but I'm kind of in this yep. no man's land where I'm kind of a GP, but yep. I don't know what I am. Mm-hmm. And and similar for dentists, that you know, dentists seem to be you know growing in in sort of um, comfort level of, of offering aesthetics mm-hmm. in their practice here in Australia. I know it's common elsewhere, yep. but they still sort of feel like the outliers. They sort of feel like in this gray zone where they lack support from anyone's, you know, yeah. explicitly. Yeah. Like, you know, they can listen to podcasts and stuff, but it's actually very hard for dentists to get formal training through any of the companies. I wonder why that is. Um, well, for a number of years, it's because the dental board themselves weren't supporting dentists. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> very hard for a yeah. pharma company to yeah. offer training to someone when their own board won't support them. <sighs> I think that's changing. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't confirm that, but yeah. I think that's changing. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah so th- there's a whole bunch of high-level chats that we yeah. could make an episode out of each of those topics. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be interesting to you guys. But mm. like I said, reach out, send us some DMs, or, or if you're a patron, just let us know what what specific top, topics we could do a whole episode on. Yeah. And actually, if you have any specific guests that you want to hear from, yeah. whether they're marketers, PR people, lawyers, yep. accountants, whoever. Yeah. The more the merrier, as I said, the, the more people that engage and become an active part of the process the better it's going to be for everyone yeah. because we're all been wandering around in the desert on our own, hoping and praying we're going to be successful and worrying about our competition. And it's all been, I don't think, very constructive. Mm. And so the right, high tide raises all ships. 
I love that. I love that sentiment. Yeah. So, so what, I, I don't know if you've got a plan yet. What's episode one going to look like? Do you have a topic, a theme? How's it yeah, going to run? Yeah, I've, I've put together like a list of, I think we'll, we'll start at the beginning, which is like, why do you get into this business? What did you hope to achieve? How do you see yourself potentially exiting this business and or turning it into a, a vehicle that can provide passive income for you? I think that's a, a good place to start at the beginning because, mm-hmm. as you said, most people start these businesses without understanding why why they did it. It's just been felt like a natural progression or following following what other people are doing and thinking it's a good idea without thinking through the logistics of how they're going to stand out from the crowd and, and how they're going to turn this into um, a success mm-hmm. for the long term. And so I think that's a good place to start. Um, but I can bring up the topics that I've put up for what's just, coming. Just whilst you're thinking about yes. that, that uh, this is sort of to try and help make the the, the talks more engaging, but mm. also, I guess, just some general advice. There'll be a lot of people who aren't comfortable sharing. Yep. That they want to sit in the background and listen to everyone's stories. But I think it'll be more valuable if you actually, you know, engage and, and, and ask some questions yourself because we can give you more specific advice that way. But also, you know, just from a general thing, I, I meet a lot of injectors who just, they just hop, hop from course to course to course to course, but they never put it into action. They want a lot of advice, but they're not sort of linking that into real life. Yeah. So I think, you know, at some point you have to bite the bullet and be like, okay, I have to have the confidence to put what I want to do in, into action. Do, do you meet that? You, you you meet injectors who sort of they they understand all the theory, but they don't have the confidence to. Yeah, you of know, course. And I think that that's that's life. why this sort of movement's so important because the more people that share, and the more people that are open, the more it'll encourage other people to share. You almost create this momentum, this this sort of wave of everyone wanting to engage um, collectively and and in a positive way. So. You know, we're all we've all been through this. We're all learning. We're all made mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes in the future. But the more that you are open and willing to share and engage, it'll give other people confidence to do the same. And then we can really start to have some interest, interesting discussions and amplify our ability to learn as a group. Because I haven't had the experiences that someone on the other side of, of the world might have with completely different economic conditions, an industry that looks somewhat different, mm. different sort of cultural influences all those sorts of things. And so, you know, my advice might not resonate with someone who's on a different side of the world that has a different set of experiences, whereas there might be someone else over there who can actually give you more relevant advice or share their experiences that might be something that you can benefit from. So that would be my message is, you know, this is a, this is a positive, safe space for us all to engage. And yeah. the more of us that do that, the more we can all learn. I'll tell you what would be awesome. If, if someone knows sort of the American equivalent of David or yeah. UK equivalent of David. Let's have them on. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do UK-centric, yeah. Europe-centric, wherever, wherever you are. Let's make it, you know, we'll do some episodes that focus on your region. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I mean, I, I, there are KOLs for injectables galore. Yeah. But I don't know anyone that's a KOL. If that's a, like, I don't know if you can even use that, but like running <laughs> the business side of these things. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of, it's unspoken about. It's not, you know, it's not proper to talk about business. We've got to sort of talk about clinical, mm. um, but we're not working for free. We're all here to provide for our families and our own futures. So there should be. And if anyone's listening, I'm not definitely not putting my hand, up, but <laughs> there definitely needs to be more of a focus on this. If we want this industry to, to thrive into the future for as many of us as possible. Definitely. I couldn't find the rest of those topics, but that is, that is the first one that we're starting with, which is the motivations for why. The, the why, the why, and then how to think about the why better. Um, 
yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking okay. forward to it. So that was a bit of a mishmash episode where we had no notes. We just made that up off the cuff. Just, but just I, I think it's useful to, to introduce this. You know, it's going to be a big new side project alongside the podcasts, but we'll continue to do the business of injecting podcasts yep. where we look at people's model, business, you know, their strategy and so on. It's always nice to sort of get some specific yeah. examples. Yeah. And I mean, some of these podcasts that we do, they might end up becoming... Um, a live Zoom as well. So someone like, you know, Jess and Maria, for example, who came on and had a chat about their business, maybe in the future, someone like them would come back and people can actually interact Yeah, and ask them, oh, I heard on this on your podcast and you talk about this. Like there are the, the possibilities are, are limitless on where we can go with this. Definitely. Well, good luck, buddy. Thank I'm you. I'm going to look forward to just enjoying <laughs> watching me sweat bullets. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks guys. Um, if you do want to sign up as a patron, um, it's super easy. Just go to World Wide Web Patreon, so p a t r e o n dot yeah. com forward slash inside aesthetics. Yeah, essentially, we've got four tiers. It, it, we've tried to make it as understandable as possible. Yeah, you can either just donate a, a yeah. minor amount or a, a little bit more of an amount, and depending yeah. what tier you're on, yeah. you get some extra benefits. And yeah. like I said, we'll be dropping in more benefits as time goes yeah. on. Mainly the sort of the live injecting zooms, yeah. but you know there may be other stuff yeah. as well. Now that wanting to sound too beggy because we don't expect we didn't start this with the expectation of people giving us money, but this has grown to almost like a full time a full time job. And the feedback that we've had is that you've loved this content, you find it useful, you find it helpful. So if you can find it in in your heart to help support us and um, you know help us keep fighting the good fight and and well, yeah. yeah and and it will make your education so yeah. much better because the i mean the feedback we get we you know we make the stuff up as we go we, we don't know whether we're right or wrong but the value that we're adding seems to be resonating yeah so, so the can, more you know we're not asking a lot from from each person but if we can grow the weight of people yeah. we can provide even more yeah that's our that's our little uh request. begging yeah i'll put my begging cap away now <laughs> anyway all right have a good week mate see you, you too buddy bye, bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 